bearded men in a room. Chopping wood inside. And we're back. I'm Murphy. Tom. Are you still there? It's been a while, Brother Ben. <laughs> it's been like a month, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it's this might be a record, our longest time between podcasts. Yeah, happy uh, 2018 summer. Anything good happening? <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading Room to Dream, the oh, Lynch yes. book. It's, it's Dude, great. It's kind it? of like in spirit of Mr. Nonlinear himself, Lynch, I've been just kind of going just uh, to various chapters, not starting linearly and uh, just whatever strikes my fancy. And uh, it's a great, great read because it's set up where he had uh, this writer. I think her name is Christina McKenna. Um, do kind of a biography, but pretty much covers entire life and all of his like uh, works, his films and television series. And then he has kind of his rebuttal or his version of events, which really kind of mirrors the <laughs> line in Lost Highway when Fred Madison says, "I like to remember things um, how they happen, not or nobody's. I like to remember things my own way, not my necessarily way. how they happened." Yeah, and that's exactly what it is because it's great. He'll just completely it's very contrarian. So- Wrong, not close. Like he's just constantly <laughs> shooting her down, or yeah, that... and he kind of stays away from. Well, he gets into the personal stuff, but um, he, not so much with his relationships. Like he'll, he'll, you know, kind of uh, elaborate on some things, especially from his youth. I just started reading some of his uh, uh, the chapters from uh, his early life, and uh, it's fascinating that um, two of his young girlfriends were named Judy which I thought was kind of interesting. And then also I think an unrequited love was named Nancy Briggs and then another person named Packard. So maybe some of these people from the past, some of these names, if he's incorporated into his works and not only his work, but Twin Peaks itself. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah, the two Judys must have done him wrong. Done him real wrong, Tom. <laughs> yeah, real wrong, into, real bad. <laughs> he gets into like sex talk and masturbation. What? I mean, it's, yes. What a, yes. Wait, wait, wait. He's into masturbation? Does he talk about his first time? He says, I think it was the sixth grade. And <laughs> Describe he says, it in detail, like a priest. <laughs> someone had started masturbating, but he didn't know what the hell it was. And he goes into kind of detail. I don't want to be graphic here. Um, and he goes, well, I got to try this out. And uh, he, he goes sure. into It was a warm summer night. Kim <laughs> Novak was on the television. A movie called Picnic. I had a picnic in my pants. <laughs> It's kind of how it is, but he goes into some detail. I was laughing hysterically. So uh, anyone out there who hasn't read it, please, I mean, I, I strongly uh, recommend this book. Well, I was going to um, pick it up, but the audio book is uh, 30 bucks, dude. I was like, geez, it's a little bit of an investment. You know, but that it. might be really the way to go is to hear him, you know, tell these these tales. I mean, I'm reading them. He tells them, so it's not a, a – he's doing the narration in the audio book? I think the woman who we co-wrote it with, she does her – like version which she wrote and then he does his rebuttal she's the tammy so, preston <laughs> she's the t- <laughs> yeah, same believe. Believe. yeah so interesting. Some, i can't wait to how many pages is it it's like almost 600 pages yeah so it's very lengthy and he goes into great detail i mean like all of his works that he doesn't that's the whole thing is i think maybe some people does he explain everything finally? no that's it he doesn't yeah. explain like any you know meanings to any of his work but he goes into certain details and the thing this is a twin peaks podcast so we're going to focus on twin peaks and we're going to get into it here shortly but um one of the things really that kind of has come out since the return since he started doing press for the return last year is how much and we always knew this from various quotes but not as strongly stated uh, he really 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 despises season two of twin peaks and he goes (laughs) join the club buster (laughs) well come on he directed well there's part yeah there's there's probably like eight episodes in there that are great yeah i agree i mean season two but that's the thing is that i think for lynch not having 
for the first time, other than Dune, which is always a sore spot for him because he didn't have creative control over Dune. He didn't have the, the final cut. But with Twin Who Peaks. Who did? D. Lorenzis? Yeah, Dino had it. Yeah. Dino the stu- had the, or the studio cut? or something. Okay. Yeah. Was, the they gave him $40 million. They weren't going to give Lynch final cut. But uh, So, yeah, so it's always been a sore spot for him. But when ABC commissioned Twin Peaks. Like Lynch and Frost were very uh, upfront because I think they started giving them notes as soon as they turned in the pilot script, and they're like, "Hey, look, you know, you wanted us because you wanted something different. You're in third place, right? You know, back then it was only three networks, and they wanted to change the nature of the game, so to speak, and they thought they would take a chance on Lynch and Frost." Does it Frost. have to be pie? Is that one of the notes? Does it have to be pie? Does it have to be donuts? <laughs> what about strudel? But they, their rebuttal was. Um, hey, look, you know, you, you wanted us because we're going to give you something a little bit different. So we're not going to play your game. We're going to do what we want to do. And they kind of acquiesced. And really the only thing that they really were adamant about ABC was solving the murder. But that was, as Lynch says, the, the, the pretty much the death knell of Twin Peaks for him. But um, it gets into what I want to talk about, too, is that this was subtitled The Return. Um, and I think more than anything else, for Lynch to get back into Twin Peaks, I feel that uh, he had to kind of reinvent what Twin Peaks was to get back to what he feels Twin Peaks is. And and that, to him, I think is not only just the episodes that he directed, but chiefly the pilot and Firewalk With Me. It's just all about Laura. He brings it back to Laura. Well, Laura and Cooper, I think, right? I mean, because it ended with Laura and Cooper. I think, I mean, don't you think that like Cooper, the Cooper character really is kind of, uh, especially in the episodes that Lynch directed, like a surrogate for Lynch. Uh, well, of course. I, I, yeah. So, and Laura is, you know, he's, you know, she, he's always pined for that character. He finds her so uh, interesting, the duality of her character. So I think, but more so with the town itself is because here yeah, we have... the town, cleared the pine weasels, the Dick Tremains, the little Nickies, cleared all those guys out and focused yeah, on... Yeah, right? An interesting experiment would be uh, to go ahead and just watch all the Lynch-directed episodes of the original series. And How then many are go, they? Uh, well, he did two. He did the pilot and then one episode of the first season. And then I think well, he did which four. Which one was that? That was the, the, third, the second episode, the one with uh, the iconic dream sequence the dream. at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Like, with, the, the, like uh, did you say Leland's daughter, daughter was, was murdered? murdered? I'm depressed. <laughs> so wait, those two. Those two, and then the second season premiere, and the one that follows it, and then the reveal of Leland, and then the series finale. So six. That's really all you need to see. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing, right? So if you... Okay, here's what we want to talk about, and we'll go into further detail, basically. But what we're doing here is that I think... Okay, so we have the pilot, and that Lynch considers the pilot a movie. And that really, for him, he's been quoted as saying this, Twin Peaks, the pilot, really is like the Twin Peaks, like his version of Twin Peaks and everything else that came after it was <laughs> not shit. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I'm talking about his directed episodes, the ones yeah, that he yeah. directed. Cause he goes, he says, he has a quote that says like when he would come back, he would always try to get it back on track to what he feels that the show is, but then he would go away again and, you know, there'd be other writers and directors, then he'd come, it'd be this vicious cycle. So he, he tried, but I think that's why he checked out in season two was because he just didn't like the direction it was going. He felt that he was unable to control it the way that he wanted to control it. And he just, uh, he just took a step back as opposed to, you know, try to fix it himself because I just think that's how he is as, as an artist. So, but what we have here is especially in the series finale when he had been away the longest. I think we had a period of maybe 14 episodes where he had really no creative involvement on screen. I'm sure he had some in in the background, but what he was doing in that series finale was not only cleaning up, I think, the mess of the second season, but trying to get it on track for any kind of future iteration. And really the two name uh, the the two big storylines would be the Wyndham Earl and the Annie of the second season. And what does he do in that series finale? He completely gets rid Kills of yeah, Wyndham Earl. We didn't really get rid of Annie quite yet. Is Frost right? grumbling in the background somewhere? Frost? Frost? Have Is you read that original script that he co-wrote for the series finale? Uh, no, I've not. Tell us about it, Tom. 
Well, we talked about this in the Unified Dream Theory <laughs> podcast, but basically it was not what we saw. Lynch pretty much just took just pieces of it and threw really the rest of it away and focused it on the Red Room slash Black Lodge. It's kind of like 18 is what you're saying, a little bit when they're... Yeah, kind of, yeah. right, yeah. But I think that's what he was doing, and the fact that he went into production in the Firewalk With Me so quickly after the series finale, maybe he had an idea of what was going on, that he was going to go ahead and try to get back to that feel of the original Twin Peaks. Remember that scene in the diner, the double R in the series, uh, the series finale with Bobby and Shelley? Weren't they basically recreating their same yeah. dialogue from the pilot? Yeah. yeah, and Greta comes in later, whatever her name is, Heidi. Who does? Heidi. This is the exact oh, yeah, same Heidi, line. Oh, yeah, Heidi, the same thing. Getting some extra living yeah. from your old man, huh? Yeah. The, yeah, jumpstarting the, the old man again. Again or something. Yeah, they're doing, they did the same, like, <laughs> hoo, hoo, hoo. They did everything, and he brought back Sarah Palmer, who was not in the script, who we had not seen since Leland's Wake. He brought back the log lady. He brought back Renette Pulaski. So he brought back the people that were, you know, pretty much that, you know, he and Frost established. That was kind of a weird bring back of Renette, wasn't it? When they brought her back, and she was, like, fine, all dressed up, but she couldn't really talk. And they said, is this the, like, what did they give her? Give her a clue or something? But she, that was an interesting. She didn't really get to say yeah, anything. he gives ever. her the. The, the scorched engine oil. Yeah. And she's, uh, she just goes, eh, right. uh. like She doesn't even say, she's, is she a mute now? No, because he yeah. goes, what does this remind you of? And she says, after she smells it, the night Laura Palmer was killed. Oh, she actually says, has a line. Yeah, of so she's okay. no longer a mute. She's, she's, she's back. She's but, um, so that's how many, how many did. episodes did Mark Frost direct? He directed the season finale of episode this first season, right? And that was it. Yeah. That's it? That's it? it. That's so he didn't, Lynch was like, that's it, buddy. I thought that he did a pretty good job. I enjoyed that. He did. I, for me, that <clears throat> I mean, I understand that that was a serious finale, and they didn't know if they were going to be renewed at that particular point. So he pretty much took the kitchen sink approach. But I just don't think that it's one of the strongest uh, directed episodes. Yeah, they, he ripped off J, uh, like Dallas, like J.R. Ewing getting right. shot. Yeah. It felt more kind of like a it. Dallas series finale than a Twin Peaks show, but it's still good. But um, I remember there's a great, great quote when because uh, Lynch was, I think, at Cannes with Wild at Heart, and then when he reconvened with Frost to go ahead and plot season two, there's a great quote where when Lynch sees Frost, he basically says, uh, "So a lot of uh, a lot of things happened at the, that last night in Twin Peaks, like, uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff, like kind of like, you know, like, like yeah, little little bit, little bit, yeah, because you know Lynch Mill burned, right yeah, Renette's there. dead, yeah, just like Wendy's spiel, the whole Wendy Roby spiel or Lucy spiel." Uh, yeah, okay, so here to get into a little bit really kind of greater detail, if we look, look at focus at the Lynch-directed episodes of the original series, the pilot, obviously the, the, the main mystery of who killed Laura Palmer and the introduction of, you know, the surrogate Lynch character, Dale Cooper, So and the feel of the town. I mean, really that's it, establishing all the characters, the tone, the mood. But going on from that, his next directed episode was the the second episode and what we have was the defining moment of that episode is the dream sequence the red room where we're introduced to that the man from another place the one arm man really the iconic red room so that really and obviously that has uh, uh, continued not only for the series finale but into the season three it plays a huge role in the mythology of everything so the next episode is a second series a second season premiere really the big I think for me is the, intro, the, the introduction of the giant that whole thing is like huge is that character because of what he means and represents and Senor Drill Cup Tom well, yeah. How could I forget Senior can't forget Drill him. Cup? I can't forget. Yeah. So, um, and then in the next episode <clears throat> is for me, it's also Major Briggs delivering the message. Cooper, Cooper, oh, Cooper, and him really and establishing yeah, Briggs as kind of a a, a stronger character because in the first season he was just really. You know, the, the, the father that didn't really understand his rebellious son. But now here we have in the Lynch-directed episodes of the second season premiere and the next one, that great speech, one of our favorite moments to Bobby, his vision, and then delivering the message. Um, and then the next episode he directed was the reveal of Leland. That is huge. And then also the fact that Cooper fails. Yeah, he thought he solved right. it. Ben's in jail. He failed in that great ending shot of Cooper superimposed so over sorry. the red drapes at the end. Yeah. yeah. The red house, uh, yes. And then the finale. Then the finale when he's basically cleaning up the mess of the second season by getting rid of Earl and creating uh, the mythology of doppelgangers within the lodge. Um, and uh, there's also the great thing with Leland. If he didn't want to solve the murder of Laura Palmer. And he had his druthers that we still probably wouldn't know who killed Laura Palmer. The line that Leland says in the Black Lodge, 
really resonates that I did not kill anybody. That could be like a real kind of a tell for Lynch because if he's trying to segue back into what he conceived of Twin Peaks, like where there is no murder, even though he directed the murder, he was, he, he had to, he's forced to do it. But in his mind, he never really wanted to solve it. And Leland's line is a tell that I did not kill anybody. And, uh, and then also the I'll see you again in 25 years, the Laura says, which is the bookend or is the, the, uh, the entry point to season three. It's also, not a lot of people know this if they haven't seen the international pilot, that um, the European ending that they had to shoot, the very first image we see is Cooper in the red room with a title card that does say 25 years later. So he's really tying it in with the red room and that closed ending that he shot, which I think that he didn't like uh, having to do originally, but he came to love because he created the Red Room. It's very interesting. Don't you think, like, maybe the Leland thing, like, I did not kill anybody, is really just Leland saying that, but that Bob is the one that did the killing? Oh, of course, yeah. I'm just saying that. It's another interpretation. It's, that's all. It's another. Inter- I, and, and we're not. It's I'm before not the saying, retcon interpretation, yeah. That's right. I just, what I'm, I'm trying to get at is, like, reading this book, The Room to Dream, and, you know, I've. You both, you and I have read a lot of Lynch quotes and and books and everything and analysis. But now that we have the return and the things that he has said and what what we have seen, you know, unfold in those eighteen hours, I don't think he would have gotten back into the fold again and jumped into it if a he didn't have a story to tell, but b if he had full creative license. And I think that entailed for him getting back to what made Twin Peaks. Uh, uh, the feeling of Twin Peaks for him and it all stemmed from the very beginning I think that he wanted to return also to the world of Twin Peaks but he had to still clean up a little bit of a mess to kind of get back and what I want to get to is that the ending and what the things that have been talked about in the last month which we'll get into in a little bit here is if there's going to be future iterations of Twin Peaks that maybe all this is a preamble to you know, get to where Lynch you know uh, you know ultimately wants to go. Yeah, maybe this all is all part of his Netflix speech he's been making at Netflix. To, about yeah, why don't you go seasons. into that? Why don't you tell the fans about that? Uh, well, you're the one that alerted me to that. But if you haven't seen our, our Twitter page, like people have been talking about it, he's been spotted at Netflix headquarters in the coffee shop there, of course. Lynchian. <laughs> I'm not sure why he assumed uh, <laughs> he could walk in without being completely noticed, but he doesn't have glasses or a, a hat on. But uh, yeah, so I think people said that he might be doing uh, executive producing uh, a movie at Netflix, and there might be some discussion of Twin Peaks. I would think if they're inviting him in for a, a sit down, that he would they would talk about everything, you know, all possibilities. You know, right. I mean, they're like Seth Rogen. A lot of people are like signing these huge deals, like Jerry Seinfeld, hundreds of millions of dollars development deals with with Netflix. I would think that Netflix has got like these the deepest pockets in Hollywood. That why not throw, give a you know, some ca- some cash to Lynch and just have him like give him a development deal essentially, give him a hundred million dollars. Why not? Well, do you remember when? Who we cares about ratings? About, they right. I mean, right? I, I, a lot of it I think is just kind of ca- uh, kind of just the stature of someone like Lynch that's going to bring a new audience to Netflix, and they're they're just filled with money. They have just money to go ahead and throw at pretty much anyone. If you're going to sign David Lynch, you know you're going to get a David Lynch product, and you're going to get a brand new audience to Netflix. It makes sense. So, But do you remember when we discussed this? I think I brought it up to you, and you had an immediate response. So it was a one-word response, which I think is very salient. I think it very well may be true. Do you remember what you said? Uh, Bafo? Production deal? <laughs> Season four's coming. You said leverage. Leverage. Well, yeah, of course, it would be a leverage deal. I'd be going around getting a bidding work because maybe Showtime is not. Uh, maybe hey, maybe you cut down ten percent of the budget. You know, trying to get them to actually retract what a part of you know instead of being able to, to do more. And that why not go and talk to Netflix with a big? I also heard that like maybe I think Netflix had a movie out last year that didn't get into Cannes. Like Cannes refused, and so this is kind of an if they signed uh, Lynch and they've got Scorsese, they could show back up with Cannes with two a Lynch and a Scorsese movie, and Cannes would have to let him in, right? Yeah, no, I I think I came across that it's as well. Yeah, because you yeah. know if Lynch is going to have any new product, it's pretty much going to premiere at at Cannes. So it might be an FU to to to, to Cannes for it's that. A way to get they, it. Yeah. yeah, but respect. Um, that's smart. Great respect, yeah. But I think that um, the the whole like Lynch thing with uh, uh, with season four, potential season four, I think that it would be more of a leverage thing because I still think since 
I think he still feels that he had a, a good relationship, a good enough relationship with Showtime. They promoted the hell out of it. I think they were very happy with it. It seems like the issue was kind of a money thing. And maybe that's why... In time. Do- I mean, we saw and- that in the DVD, how stressed out he was running around. They literally did one take. <laughs> one take, move on! Like, I mean, he probably would like to be able to, you know, be a little bit right. more uh, Kubrickian. Right, and he did say there was two other things. I think that this all happened since our last podcast. One of the things was he was because uh, the Emmy nominations are coming out on Thursday, and, and knock on wood, uh, Twin Peaks gets nominated in all the you know requisite categories. But he was doing some PR thing with I think Kyle McLaughlin and Laura Dern, and I think the uh, who was it? Who was the, uh, the the moderator? It was someone like an LA Times writer or something. Do you remember? Uh, Andy Greenwald or yeah, Andy Greenwald. Yeah, something yeah. and asked him like, "Is Carrie Page calling you or something?" Do you remember that? Oh yeah, uh, that's the big. Yeah. Asked he was that. saying it a few times. It was going around, right? Like, yeah. What, what did he say? Like, said, yeah. What did he say? What was the question? What well, didn't? What well, wasn't the question? Like, is is Carrie Page still out there, or what is she doing, or something? Yeah, like, she calling to you or something? Is the story? Called? Yeah, something like that. And then he's. I think he said like, you know, she's calling, but she's there are calling? a lot of disturbances. I think. Yeah. So, He's just but mad. that was an interesting quote. Usually when it's something related to future Twin Peaks, he'll be very coy or say never, say never. But that was something that got uh, people talking. And then also, I think in an interview with Deadline where he said that Sabrina Sutherland, who was the executive producer of, of Twin Peaks The Return and really is his you know, right-hand man, woman, uh, who is really kind of in charge of all these different facets of, of the Lynch uh, uh, production world, creative world, that he and Sabrina Sutherland are going through his black box filled with ideas. He is quoted as saying that. So if that is true, he is writing something. He is doing something, whether it's Twin Peaks or not. There seems to be something percolating with more David Lynch, whether it's related to Netflix, Showtime, or something else. Only time will tell. But it is very exciting. And uh, the fact that, that that Carrie Page quote, that I'm hopeful that if we're not going to get Twin Peaks, like, in the near future then maybe somewhere down the line it's not completely over yeah would you be uh, happy or sad if he ends up doing like like a developmental deal for Netflix just to do some movies features any new Lynch work is is I'm open to anything. I mean, I've, of course, it's my possible first... that he's going to go. You know what? It was it's done. I finished it perfectly. We stuck the landing. Like move on to the next thing. Because he it's probably true. you know he has he's been looking for uh, you know a way to make movies. He, he can't do it on the big screen anymore. But uh, although the, the, I don't know if he's would, would be down with the Netflix uh, you know marketing plans, just dumping it. But uh, maybe they would do a lot of promotion and stuff. I mean, it's a David Lynch movie. I would think it'd be cachet. I don't know. I, I can I would like to see it actually. Although I would only want them to do it if they serialized out the episodes of Twin Peaks if they I don't want to see a dump because I would not be able to resist it. And I think That's it the problem with the experience. Yeah. I completely and agree our having too. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be we do done. like an 18 hour podcast. Just an 18 hour podcast the first time and then oh yeah just that's it. Well, that's the one thing is just uh, watching. Right now, I'm watching The Sopranos. Murph and I are both watching The Sopranos, and we had seen some of it in the past. Murphy had seen a lot more than I have, but um, I'm kind of binging it right now. It's a great show. It's fantastic. Congratulations! But you're watching another show. This is your first. I'm watching ne- another show. Your next show. Yeah, you've been hooked on Twin Peaks for a year. Well, now. on your recommendation, you yeah. you started watching it. And you were telling me, and I was like, okay, I, you know, and I'd seen season two when it was on, but um, it's such a great show. But I I'm kind of binging it. I'm watching a couple episodes like well not every night like every other night and uh, you know I can't talk to you about it because we're not in the same you know schedule and uh, having Twin Peaks to return last year like okay it's Sunday night we're gonna get one hour for like four plus months was a revelation it was just like back in 1990 when we were watching it every week and we could digest it. We had six, seven days to digest it and to talk about it and that level of excitement. And even when it wasn't on after episode eight, we had to wait two weeks and it just was just, oh, it was kind of just death. But we had all of our friends on social media and following what they were saying. And it was, just, it was a blessing. And I would hope if, if there's another David Lynch project or Twin Peaks that it would it would be very similar that we would get something that wouldn't be just dropped and you could binge it. Uh, yeah, I think that would be in the contract. Like it's like Westworld. <laughs> Westworld kind of took a shit there at the end, but I still you have to watch it every week. It was a puzzle box show, and Twin Peaks is a puzzle box show that you need to space out week to week. So I think. Well, you talked about the ending with like they stick the they they stuck the landing, and you just mentioned Westworld. You had told me that they did not. They did stick, not stick they, the landing. No, they did not. I haven't seen it, but yeah, um, in my opinion, but. <laughs> but they, he did. But 
Um, don't you think getting to kind of this theme, we'll get, but we're getting back to this right now of like, you know, kind of the David Lynch return, David Lynch, Mark Frost return to Twin Peaks, that this was all like premeditated. And the fact that the, for me, the big tell. Was the Trump thing premeditated, Tom? Oh, God, geez, geez. <laughs> Murphy and I had a conversation like two nights ago. Oh, we talked about an hour. Yeah, yeah I'm sure like, everyone, all the fans, we all felt momentary chills of horror. And some still do. I know some people that are still pissed off at him. Um, but, you know, I, I, knew, I, knew, I knew he was kind of apolitical, but I, I knew that he was not a fan of Trump. And I'm glad that he clarified himself because I don't want to be doing like a Lenny Riefenstahl podcast. You know, be, uh, <laughs> on the right side of history. It was that was so that was a weird night. It was a weird night. David you know, Lynch yeah, hope, be uh, uh, name dropped yeah. by Phone him in some rally. And on Fox News, I saw some blur <laughs> in like North Dakota. Yeah, like they would know who he is. Yeah, a lot, people, I'm glad a lot of people. A lot of people thought that he wasn't strong enough in his re- re- rebuttal to him, you know. But I thought that he was very Buddhist, you know. He was putting the metaphorical like flower in the gun turret, gun, you know, of, of Trump and trying to get him to come over to the light side. Um, and I know a lot of people wanted more than that, and they are valid, you know. I kind of was hoping that he'd be marching in the streets with Frost. But I, we, we, I looked at Frost to see Frost is he gonna, you know, say something? And someone said like, Hey, Frost, you gotta talk to your boy. And he goes like, Not my job. Not my job. And that was not it. Not my job, pal, or something. Yeah, like not that, my job. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, geez, man. We need some leaders. Anyway, so that was that story. Yeah, that was like for a little moment in time, David Lynch. Our was podcast is almost over, everybody. It was almost everything was over. We, went, we were the freaking doors, out. That was it. Yeah. Was well, not... Lynch is so mysterious is the thing. We just didn't know. You know what I'm saying? I was like, the next day, what if he like put on the MAGA hat? He's like, it's 72 degrees and <laughs> make America great again. I would think, I was like, I was like, dude, what if like the Trump, like Lynch and Trump are in cahoots and, uh, like some of Trump's boys come and shut us down because we've been talking anti-Trump. We're like, uh, we could be targets. God, my only David real... To protect us. I just hope that, because I think this was still going on when the Emmy votes were being like you know, distributed. Uh, maybe got some votes, like some Roseanne voters. Maybe they're like, yeah, it's over my lunch. Okay, no more with this. I just, I, I, we had to get All out right, of our we'll system or whatever. Yeah. But uh, so the sticking, the, the, the landing, I think that ending is, is brilliant. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Really. Every possible way it really is because there are so many people i was just reading today there are people out there like it's so weird that at certain times like it's the it, the, the levels of like people's interpretation like kind of just change like some people are now getting back to like the happy ending or at least a couple of people that i read like with the laura blowing out her scream is blowing out the lights inside and she, <laughs> yeah there was some other stuff or whatever and then other other people go no no but it's just that's the genius of of that particular episode is that depending on the time of day, the mood, your whole interpretation of not only that particular moment, but maybe the whole 18 hours can change. And that really is a testament to the creative you know, powers of Lynch and Frost. But that one image is still haunting me. And it's not what you think. It's when they enter Twin Peaks, when Cooper and Laura slash Carrie enter Twin Peaks. And we get that shot, which is obviously very deliberate, of the double R diner. It yeah, showed different. anything. And yeah. it wasn't the double R to go. Different diner, yeah. It was different diner. But here's the thing, too, is that when they shot the double R, when they were shooting the you know, at the double R diner and the exterior, they painted it, they painted the double R to go on the outside. And when they left town, and to this day, that double R to go is still there. But, do they I mean, double, do they offer food to go? I don't know. They better. Who knows? False advertising. Isn't that kind of like maybe like a little subtle hint? Like like we'll be back. We're not leaving. Yeah. We're not leaving. Props up. Yeah. Right. But to have that image of the double R without the double R sign. Was chilling? It's just. Was chilling. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's more chilling to you. That that gives you more chills than the final scream. The lights going out. No, but it just adds yeah, to the chill. It adds to the chill. It does. I mean, you you think you look back at that scene and you're like, "Wow, I want to know what the where are they? Like, where what time period? Where are they here?" And uh, you know, you would kind of hope season four that they would be there, or you would jump to the next something. Would you Would you like to actually find out? Like, like to basically see Cooper with the invisible doorknob and Carrie screaming. Like, in that season four starts with there they are still on the street, and they have to figure out where the fuck they are in this town now. Do you think that would be compelling to you? It would be compelling, but um, I I don't I wouldn't want that, and I don't think that would happen. No, I don't yeah, think it would happen. I don't. Either. Yeah, I don't think. And I think what I really kind of believe uh, is what you and I've been kind of talking about is that maybe the reason why um, the image of the double R didn't have that double R to go is that this is a dream of Carrie Page. And that Cooper has penetrated to take her home. Yeah, it's not real. That it's yeah, not real. Yeah, it's her dream, dream world. Theory. 
Exactly. Yeah. Eventually, we're going to kind of get into more thoughts of what we think of season four. I don't really want to kind of get into now because I'm not really prepared. It's called to speculation. So. It's, it's awesome. I mean, come on. When we were talking about season <laughs> three before it happened, did we get anything right? Maybe. I mean, no, we, we got nothing, nothing right. We had really we, nothing. I mean, right. nothing. I'm trying to think, what do we what do we think? What, no. Have we got anything right after season three? Uh, well, we did. I th- well, no, we have. We've gotten really everything. <laughs> if we went back to look at all of our podcast theories, like even I think like our finale, like you're just always wrong. We we're never right, especially always. you. Yeah. Except for the Bob bubble, you had the Bob bubble. You knew the Bob bubble was inside Cooper, which I did yeah. not. So. I think like checklist, like you had like definitely more uh, uh, hits than, than I did. But I don't remember I, actually ever ever predicting anything, nor are you. Like it was impo- it's impossible to predict it. You know what I mean? Well, like, we wanted funny. more than anything, and maybe this is would be my hope. I'd probably go back to this is something that you and I talked about was that we thought that the world of Twin Peaks, we knew that it would be different. We thought that uh, maybe this is one thing that we did get correct because I think we did talk about this that. That the Laura Palmer like mystery uh, that happened, you know, back in 1989, would be kind of swept up under the carpet, and it would be something that the people, like the younger generation and even the old guard, would 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 not talk about. But maybe the younger generation would kind of refer to it as a ghost story. It would be something yeah, like you know <laughs> the haunted house of the Palmers and like what happened, and it wouldn't be all true. It'd be kind of like like this Bob, this character in the woods, and no one would believe it. It'd be like a ghost story that people would tell. We we were hoping something like that would happen, and but that's maybe not very compelling, but. Um, we kind of liked it. It's cliche. It's like Mark Frost uh, finale to uh, the season one. Miss <laughs> Havisham as uh, Sarah, Sarah Palmer. Yeah. Yeah, but um, okay. So what I want five conventions, about, right? So talking about all the Lynch directed episodes that we did and the connections of really kind of getting back to uh, Twin Peaks in season three. The one thing that we're leaving out that I really want to talk about because really there's even more to this than the original series is Firewalk with Me because if you look at Firewalk with Me, it's amazing on just like just on like the surface on paper when i was like typing this out like preparing for this podcast i was like wow just these four or five things that i'm about to name are so relevant play such a huge role in season three and they're all creations of lynch and robert engels who co-wrote the film with 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 uh, with lynch and they are the intro of of jeffries who talks about judy um there's the blue rose there is the convenience store and the woodsman and the traveling via electricity. There is the ring and there is the lasting telling image, which is still very mysterious, even after season three of the final shot of Firewalk With Me, of Laura in the red room with Agent Cooper right after she died. And this is, this really is something that I we, I don't think we really kind of talked about it in a great detail, but it really ties into season three and especially that last image, the loop-de-loop that Murph and I have been talking about with Laura whispering in Cooper's ear is that right there at the end of Fire Walk With Me, presumably on the night of February 23rd, 1989, even though time is nebulous in the Red Room slash Black Lodge, there is Agent Cooper right there before he's even come into town to investigate. So the whole idea of alternate timelines and time travel and other dimensions right there at the ending of Firewalk with me along with those other things I just mentioned which are so huge play such a huge role in Twin Peaks season 3 isn't it weird like okay so she dreamt of Cooper before she died and wrote it in her diary right we saw yeah. that in the retcon so but uh, when she died in the tr- in the train car wouldn't you presume the second that she died that she would be back in the lodge and there's Cooper? Would he be there? Well, what, she but, died. That was, but that was a dream. You talked about, you said she had a dream of him and then she died. The death is not a dream. So you wouldn't expect him to be there when she died. So you're died. saying that, that she really does not go to the Black Lodge when she died? I don't know. All I'm saying is, is that it's just, it's, it's. I think Thomas I, Nebula said that he would, he'd be greeting her there. Like, oh, hey. <laughs> well, I know. I think that, but that. I dreamt that, of you. But watching well, that right back in 92 and then all the other times before we watched it, before we got season three, that was always kind of an outlier. It's like, why is Agent Cooper in the Black Lodge after she dies? Now we can go, we know why that she saw him in a dream and he had a dream of her in the original series but that scene she is dead she gets her angel and the only thing that I can really kind of think of at that moment is that and this really kind of supports season three is that 
like she got her angel, but the guy that's with her with his hand standing. It's not Cooper. Hand, it, no, it's Cooper. It's the giant. It's, <laughs> Bob. It's it's Richard. It's Bob. Bob. It's uh it's all of them. It's Dougie actually. Before he got you know Dougie. Oh, that'd be nice. Wouldn't that Man be nice? If that was Dougie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get reminds me. I gotta mention something about the Dougie thing. Uh, but um, no, he yeah. is her guardian angel. He is Dougie? her guardian angel. No, Cooper. Cooper is. <laughs> yeah, Cooper is. Yeah. Well, do, is he actively, or is the lodge a point in that? Because he's trying to save her, and so she thinks he's he's like almost like the worst guardian angel ever, though, isn't he? <laughs> Oops. No, but I mean. Going on season three, right? I mean, going back after he gets out of the lodge and going right back in to find her. To, I mean, before I mean, he saved her. He traveled back in time. She got sucked out of the woods. He gets out of the lodge. He's got to go back in to Odessa to find her. So he's obviously he's con- he's constantly you know got a Laura. Uh, he's got Laura on the brain. He's trying to save her. Maybe it's because he is her guardian angel. Maybe he is Whether- her guardian angel. Yeah, that's interesting. Just like maybe Mrs. Tremont is Judy. Like, didn't you have a friend oh, or something? Yeah. Somebody was, I think we've talked about that before, but that is, have I mean, we? yeah. Some of these people did these visual presentations on Twin Peaks theories, and I was watching one of them on YouTube, and it was very compelling. It was very well done. Um, like all Twin Peaks theories, ours included, um, they're all open to interpretation. I mean, we, there's no definitive answer. Uh, I think there's some are stronger than others, but uh, this one had a, a, a portion of it, a part of it that I thought very it was very interesting is that the, the person – put the uh, Mrs. Tremont that we saw in the original series in Empire Walk With Me, giving Laura the painting, he thought that she was Judy, a representation of Judy. And it got me to kind of think, and it's like, okay, the, the Mrs. Tremont we saw in the original series, I don't think, I think that was still kind of like building kind of the mythology of her character. But in Fire Walk With Me, in that convenience in store. In the convenience store, yeah. Yeah, that she's, she's the, only, the woman only woman there. And she kind of has this... I don't know, this kind of prominence in the convenience store because we have all the relevant spirits. We've got Woodsman, we have Bob, we have the man of the place, the electrician, the jumpy man. And there is Mrs. Tremont. So wouldn't it, she very well could be Judy. Well, Tom, and, this ties back to my theory that I always thought Mrs. Tremont at the very end was Judy or a Judy child, Judy minion. Exactly. Right? Plus with there the painting is. on the wall. Yeah. Remember, this would look nice yeah. on your wall. The Palmer House being an extension of the convenience store, the domain of Judy, perhaps. So the only thing that kind of... Uh, goes against that is when Jeffries was in Buenos Aires um, he got a note from a Miss Judy the young woman but uh, and that would kind of I think our theory of that's the Josie. children of that's Josie's twin that's right I think it's also <laughs> the kind of uh, Sarah. The, the mythology kind of evolving from iteration yeah. to iteration but uh, that was an interesting point I thought I think that was uh, uh, it makes me, you know, look at uh, certain things in a different light, and that is the genius, I think, of Twin Peaks to this day. Well, then, um, if she's Judy, then does that mean that in episode eighteen that Sarah's tied up in the basement or doing Laura? Like, you know, she's not Judy then. No, it's a good question of like where like Sarah is. I don't think Sarah is in we heard her. That how we well we like, well yeah. I Maybe think Laura. Laura I think that was Laura like hearing that like waking up like some kind of sense memory like seeing the yeah, house snapping out of it yeah snapping out of it or whatever but it's a good question i think that sarah is there like if like you know in another kind of timeline or dream what have you because we know she's living in the house in the return but that kind of goes into the whole thing with like the the, the season three itself with the shifting a subtle shift of a timeline that kind of starts in episode seven and Really, for me, the is big that head, the glitch. The big head, the glitch was later, but Eat remember the, the diner scene, the end of the diner with the oh agents, yeah, the flip, the change, and then no one mentions Laura Palmer um, after uh, that episode. I mean, I think Hawk mentions like a store, like an old case, but no one mentions Laura's murder. The log lady mentions her, but but also like talking about Lynch, kind of getting back to the original feel and having to clean up certain things in season three. It kind of like got reminded me of the sweeping scene. The long sweeping scene, right? It was cleaning also things up literally. In part seven. He's literally mm-hmm. cleaning up things, and that's in the episode that we think that the timeline might be shifting. So if Lynch is, I'm not. It's kind of a meta thing, and I'm not really a meta guy, but um, and I don't think that this is all very true. I'm just giving like context or subtext to um, to certain things um, to to what I think that Lynch's maybe state of mind going back into Twin Peaks. It's yeah. all very interesting. I'm just a little upset yeah. that uh, Cooper, uh, you know, going there on the steps 18, he, either Sarah's Judy or Mrs. Tremont's Judy, he knows one of them's Judy. He didn't step through the door. He didn't well, does cross he that know? threshold, Tom. Well, he... he's all confused, but I think he should, before he needs to gather his wits in the car. 
<laughs> like, take some smelling salts. Go get some coffee. I think Something. he was trying the invisible, invisible doorknob in the street, and he wanted to get the hell out. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Think that was going on? He like, should have practiced the invisible doorknob before he went to the door. <laughs> get some calisthenics. Well, the whole thing was the Tremont, is that he did not expect, obviously, the Tremont woman to be there. He expected Sarah Palmer to be there. And we've talked about this any number of times, is that what was the reason to actually go to the house? To go like, in, yeah. Get, can you get, like, a cosmic warrant? You're searching, searching for a <laughs> time lord? Well, I, th- I think that's what supports our dream theory is that that there was going to be no confrontation, no violence of any sort. It was all about getting Laura home to wake up from her dream. So she yeah. would wake up. So he would wake up. They would be in this new happy timeline where Mr. C did not run roughshod over 25 years. It affected all these other characters. That that was the whole thing is the two birds with one stone was the identities of Richard and Carrie Page. And this one stone was taking them to the Palmer house and to wake up from the dream. And in essence, that's what they did. But I think that what Cooper didn't realize is that loop-de-loop, that he's always going to be in the lodge just as Laura's going to be in the lodge. And there's going to be another, as you say, choose your own adventure uh, that she very well may be whispering to him. What, you know what would have been fucked up if, uh, you know, you know who answered the door in 18? <laughs> Leland. What if Leland answered the fucking door? Oh, my God. I'd have freaked out. God. There are so many little things that they like could Like, very have innocent done. Leland. Yeah. Like, completely oblivious Leland. That would have been pretty interesting. Yeah, they, did, they didn't recognize her, right? Yeah. Or him, yeah. right? Yeah, Wouldn't just very kind, early season one Leland, yeah. <laughs> Not miserable, though. Nothing ever happened bad. Wait, early season one, like the grieving? No, no, that's the, like just like no. I guess it must be rebound Leland, but he's like pretending, like being kind and being a good father or uh, uncle. Like, come on, get stuff. happy, Leland. Yeah, right? get happy, Leland. Yeah, get yeah, happy. Positive, Leland. Forget your troubles and just get happy. You gotta pack all your cares away. Sing hallelujah, come on, get happy. That would have tied back into your theory that I did not kill anybody. Would have yeah. been more relevant. Yeah, maybe, maybe you he'll know, come back in four. You know, like this is like what we're talking about here is that 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 there might very well be a reason that Leland and himself had such a small role. Is that I'd definitely bring it back. I would bring back Leland, and then all the plot threads, right? The the loose plot threads, whether it's Red <laughs> or all the Roadhouse <laughs> or the Audrey, is that it's all preamble to future iterations. Not that they're all going to be tied up, but they will be revisited. But you sure, or this going to go to brand new stuff, just brand new. There's going to be some brand new stuff in the strings. It'll always be Twin Peaks. We'll always have like Twin Peaks. But the whole thing with Leland too and the return, it's interesting that you mentioned him again, is that we only have really the two scenes. But it really is the Leland that is remorseful. Do you think like Leland would have like face envy? Like he would want to be able to take his face off? Because, because his wife and his yeah. daughter have yeah. the power. He can't. He doesn't. He can't. Over the perfect. dinner table? Yeah. <laughs> He's cleaning his teeth, and they're like, yeah, Oh, that's good. Put what the did you plate think? in front of the face. This <laughs> oh, absorbs it. Yeah, sorry. What do you think about, no, 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 no. What do you think about the stuff from the Firewalk with me, all of the stuff that I mentioned, like the Jeffries, the Judy, the Blue Rose, the convenience store, all the things that Lynch uh, concocted for Firewalk, Firewalk with me and how it played a role in the return? Yeah, I mean, it's good. I think that it also, like, almost like every ending of every, like the season – two finale the firework of me finale and then the season three finale it's always like breaking and destroying every conception of what the original uh, what the previous iteration was you know what i mean like so even if we get to season four it's going to be another just total dot out of destruction of what we just saw yeah and one thing so he's cleaning it all together but he he cleans it up to destroy it again he he fixes it to break it down again and don't you think he would kind of do the same thing in a future iteration just wouldn't be as extreme because he had to and he wrote this with Frost. You created a lot of these things. And you know, there had to be at least maybe a little bit of tension when they're concocting a whole new universe with something. I know Frost, was the, he was the creator of the Wyndham Earl character. And maybe there were moments during the, the creative process, the spitball sessions, that Frost would throw out certain things to Lynch. And I think Lynch was... I think Lynch was more firmly in control. I think like it had to go more through a Lynch filter than a Frost filter for Lynch to get back. And maybe he, that's what he told Frost in, in a very congenial manner, a very affable way, that the folksy way that Lynch is able to do is that he's not going to do this or go to certain places that he doesn't want to go to. He's not into closure, clearly. For <laughs> and the stories are in his personal right? life. Didn't he just ghost Isabella Rossellini? He's one of the original ghosters. Yeah, so he's not into closure. Like anytime closure happens, answers got to go. I'm out of here. <laughs> Vapor trail. 
Uh, one thing I want to mention before I forget. So we did get the mention of Annie here in episode uh, part seven with Hawk and, and Frank Truman. But that was it. That was it. And I think that was, I'm not She's saying fine. that was a fan service. It was tied into Laura's diary pages. And that was kind of the, the entryway to the, to that plot thread here in, in, in the return of the log lady's message to Hawk and the whole two Coopers. And Annie was in the lodge with Dale, her message to Laura and Firewalk with me. But thinking about it now, why Annie was not a part of season three, why she wasn't in the Black Lodge, why it wasn't her meeting Cooper instead of Diana in part 17 or part 18, is that Lynch actually got rid of Annie in Fire Walk With Me. Just like he got rid of Wyndham Earl at the end of the original series, what happened in the Fire Walk With Me script and in the missing pieces, not in the film, is that we have a scene, a coda, of you know after the original uh, series finale of Annie being wheeled into the hospital and she has the ring she is the owl cave ring that's the so, first scene in the missing pieces no it's just, it's actually i think one of the it's the second to last scene in, in the missing pieces oh. it was it was i think it was the last scene in the uh, the, the film that from the script that was going to be the end of the film not Laura with Cooper in the Black Lodge, it was Annie and the ring. And so you're going like, okay, Annie is the next victim. Okay, Annie relevant. So whatever, we get Twin Peaks again, uh, you know, Cooper's going to have to find Annie, get out of the lodge and find Annie. We're going to have some closure with that. But what happens in that script and in the missing pieces is there's a nurse who's tending to Annie and she takes the ring off Annie and puts it on her finger. It's the one I'm so, in. <laughs> In the guise of a yeah. very attractive like young security guard. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, the security guard. And turn around, it's Gerard, it. Gerard, again. They take, her, take her face off and it would be Gerard. <laughs> but no, but that's, there you go, ding. That was Annie. That was Lynch's way of getting I kind of would have liked that. Blackburn character. But I kind of like that. I, what you, I like that. I like that. I've never seen that scene, obviously. I haven't seen the missing pieces, but I like that idea. Like the idea of Annie being I like the, next the scene, victim? Uh, yeah, or, or like having the nurse take the ring off and stuff. I, like, I, I would like to see that scene. Yeah, it's well. I mean, it's it's interesting. I don't think it's not very compelling. You don't like yeah, it, guess, yeah? It's just, it's just kind of interesting. Uh, who's the Who's know. the nurse? It's I, I don't. It's no one that I recognize. Is it just a hand? Like you don't see the you know? It's just a, you don't. No, see it's the just nurse, face. and she's like. Oh, she takes it off, just like throws it in the trash. She doesn't. She doesn't know what it is. Yeah, she. No, she takes it. She puts it on, and she kind of looks at it in the mirror, like like oh. it's already like instantly kind of giving her the, the vibe, <laughs> you know? Like, but it's but don't you think that that's a little weird? Yeah possibility that that's what the intention was is to get the ring off Annie so her character is not relevant because Lynch didn't have really kind of a hand in creating that storyline or if he did we certainly don't know about it and it certainly doesn't seem relevant to him because she but it ended really up in the missing pieces the whole world didn't see it you know what I'm saying so his attempt was wrong trying to get trying to wrap up Annie's storyline never actually made it out to the public until recently no, but that, but creatively, right? I know what his you're mindset, saying. Yeah. yeah, his mindset is that's that's a way for me to give a little bit of closure to her character. A, she's alive. B, she's going to be the victim. But C, here's the little like kind of curveball. It's not her. It's this nurse. And I'm not sure even gives a shit drawer. anymore about like retcons. Like you know, what I'm saying he just like drops people. He doesn't care. Well, no, he actually, he actually, he actually, you know, wrote a scene to get to figure that out and explain that, like where the ring goes. I like that. But uh, well, yeah, ultimately, but I, he doesn't really care. He could just drop Danny. I think Danny he does care. I think that's what we're doing. Is that he really cares tremendously about the world, the Twin Peaks, and but he has to here in these eighteen hours. He wants to get back to that feel of what made Twin Peaks special to him, and it was the pilot. And uh, it took eighteen hours of him in this this nonlinear storyline of Cooper getting out of the lodge and reuniting with Laura and getting back to Twin Peaks. Do you um, think any original characters from like season two would come back for season four? Well, with all this said, the only thing, the only character that I think that Lynch didn't have anything to do with in the original series that had a role in season three, albeit one scene, was the Duchovny character of Denise Bryson. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I think go. that was more kind of like uh, kind of the David Duchovny as a name. And it's an interesting character. They were pretty much ahead of the game with that uh, kind of uh, dealing with that sexuality of the transgender. And uh, that was it. That's the only real kind of, but it's not a real plot thread. It was just a character. Well, where do we go from here? We go from here is what I wanted to talk about right. to go ahead and wrap it up, this last <laughs> big topic. Oh, I meant like existentially. just like Oh, existentially. Things. I don't know. Where do we go, Murph? I don't know. Go? Just keep going forward. Where do you think we're going to go? Uh, I think we're going to find something out probably in the next year that Lynch will be doing something with Netflix or something's going to happen, I think, in the next year. I don't know if it's going to be Twin Peaks, but I think something will keep us going. 
even when we think the podcast and our, all the fans, it's all closed up. He's going to come back for a little bit more juice. Do you think that Frost and Lynch, in the discussions of Twin Peaks Season 3 and during the production and maybe even after it, um, discussed what might happen in a future iteration? Uh, well, it depends on how on the, on the same page they are. I think a lot of these things, like the retcon, for example, is such a big power move. Like You would think that that would have to be a part of Part 4, Season 4. The retconning of Laura's death that let Laura did not die and to continue that. But if it was just like a dream, you know what I'm saying? There's different interpretations. So I would think that some of these, uh, you know, like Part 8, all the stuff that these crazy wild ideas that get like a lot. I don't know if, if Lynch and Frost are even have even discussed them in detail in terms of like where they would go with it. It's almost like, okay, you get this one, I get that one. You get this one. That, well, maybe I'm just uh, I'm thinking they're more fractured than they are. Um, maybe just because of like uh, Frost comment on the whole Trump thing. <laughs> not, not my job, buddy. <laughs> you know, that they are different, very different, that they maybe, uh, you know, bring what they bring to the table. And he's like the writer, like essentially like, you know, Frost is not to the level of, of Lynch. He comes in. He's almost like that. What was that Frederick Raphael book you wrote about uh, working with Stanley Kubrick on Eyes Wide Shut? Oh, I think yeah. he's kind of like the Frederick Raphael character. <laughs> he's pissed <laughs> off that he has to be, you know, under this crazy Lynch guy. But uh, that a lot of his ideas don't get uh, get fully realized. So that I think you know, season four is a complete grab bag, and it would be all about what inspires Lynch up in his little, you know, hideaway up there in the Hollywood Hills. What does he get his dreams and ideas about, and what does inspire him to want to do to season four, whatever that is. If Lynch or Frost can remotely envision what he's talking about and get on the train, then I think they would do it. But to predict what it is, I have no idea. I would love it for it to be like time travel. Like time travel, I would love it to be a lot out of Twin Peaks. Like forget Twin Peaks. Let's go. Let's go time travel through the cosmos. <laughs> you want interdimensional? Time yeah, I want interdimensional travel. madness. Yeah, yeah, I would love to see that. I've been watching Rick so. and Morty. Yeah, Rick and there's a lot of shows like Dark and Rick and Morty. Like there's a lot of like alternative universes, parallel realities. All that stuff is very interesting to me. So I like that personally. Well, um, on this season three, right before I want to get to our final topic, the season three, part 17, is when Cooper saves Laura, but Laura gets sucked out of the woods, and we have that look on Cooper's face. That was a Cooper fail that kind of mirrors the original series when he's in the roadhouse and sees the giant, and I'm so sorry, is that 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 right there, if Lynch didn't want to solve the death of Laura Palmer. Here he does as he creates with Frost this way to go ahead and not even have her murdered, but at the same time show Cooper still failing. Well, I thought it's just an interesting juxtaposition. And uh, um, it just, it, it really kind of is a theme, not only in the original series, but continuing through season three of Cooper failing. Not just that, I think he's failed more than that. I think he could be in the dream world, he could fail a million times. But Don uh, Quixote in the loop to loop forever. The connection between the scenes in episode two when Cooper and Philip Gerard go meet the evolution of the arm and the scene in part 17 where Cooper and Philip Gerard go meet Philip Jeffries. Just for some reason, watching it again recently, I think I was watching part 17 and I somehow made the connection, is that it, they're very similar. Um, the way that they're framed, like Cooper on the left, Gerard on the right, and we have these two kind of omniscient characters, Jeffries in this machine and this... Oracles. You know, yeah, oracles. Yeah, that's a better word. Yeah, oracles. Doling out kind of advice to Cooper. But Cooper doesn't say anything to the evolution of the arm. In fact, Cooper never responds to either Philip Gerard or the evolution of the arm in the Red Room slash Black Lodge. But when he meets Philip Jeffries, he's very chatty. He knows exactly what's on his mind. And what I want to ask you is, is that in part 17, when Gerard takes Cooper to Philip Jeffries, that he knows exactly what he wants. He wants to go back in time to that date, February 23rd, 1989, to save Laura. But when he goes and is summoned to the evolution of the arm, um, uh, do you think that, that either Cooper is either not aware or made a mistake by not asking some kind of question? And, yeah, to, I mean, to cue them. Yeah, it's like a video game. Like he went to get to the Oracle and then he never asked the question and, and triggered the Oracle to say anything. So the, or, so the evolution of the arm had to you know, go crazy on him. Yeah, and also that's the thing is that like the non-existent, the floor opening up and him going through the floor and winding up in the glass box. Well, he goes back 
to the moment that we saw in part one before Sam and Tracy are murdered. Now, this very well could be like an editing choice and that we wanted Lynch and Frost wanted us to see that Cooper showed up in between their death and when they were outside and, and looking for that guard. But there is an interesting point to it, a little subtext possibly, is that maybe what happened was the evolution of the arm, even though it was the doppelganger of the evolution of the arm, actually sent Cooper back in time at that moment to not be killed. Yeah, so they both could be like time machines, like the Evolution of the Arm and yes. Philip Jeffries could both be like portal pullers. Yeah, and Cooper somehow doesn't lever. recognize it with the Evolution of the Arm, but he does with, with Jeffries. And also, what you said, the lever, is that the first thing the Evolution of the Arm says is, I am the arm and I sound like this. Well, if you notice on that, like the, the Jeffries machine, that little spigot thing, it, it could kind of be like an arm or an extension, right? Sure. So wow. there are kind of connections between the two, um, which I and then also some of the dialogue is that the evolution of the arm I think tells Cooper at the end of their first uh, meeting to that to go now, and Jeffries tells Cooper that um, you can go in now, and uh, so there's these, these kind of similarities between the two. Do you think that there might be a connection between those two set pieces? Well, it's just kind of like uh, part three with Nido. I think there's parts, places in the world and these cosmic places and other dimensions and realities where you can time travel and you meet these oracles that will help you if you ask the right questions that they'll send you back or they won't, you know? Uh, so I think, yeah, they're all connected in that way. They're all like these lodge uh, hubs, I would think. Well, one right? is in the convenience store and one is the lodge. And we've debated back and forth is that is there <laughs> Which more- is which? Pick a side, Tom. Pick your fighter. I don't think it is. I don't think. I think they're separate because for me, the number Come one on. thing is. Well, Mr. C can't go well, back not to that the separate. Black Lodge, right? Well, they're, he can't. they're adjacent. Well, they're I, terror adjacent. <laughs> oh, also adjacent. a big thing, but to, a connection between the two of them is the electricity. The, the electricity Ooh, is yeah, kind of nice. just all over the, the evolution of the arm, and it seems to be that is what is causing uh, the arm to evolve into the tree is the electricity and we know the electricity Actually, michael j An- anderson is the reason why he's evolving into a tree right. tom <laughs> we're not going there buddy yeah um, a team player cooper to go back in time with jeffries like the kind of the entryway or the facilitator is the electricity that we see that allows cooper to go back so that's another connection the electricity and i think doesn't philip gerard even say electricity well, yeah and also he pulls the lever but where's the lever Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean he pulls the lever? It seems like, or maybe it sounds like it, you know, it sounds like he's pulling a lever off camera. We never see the lever. We never see Cooper. It's like an invisible lever. He closes his eyes. Oh, And that's the next thing he does. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Does a little little close-ups and he's got his eyes closed. There it is. Right. He does that. So it's just. It's a dream lever. It's the whole thing for uh, talking about this, like all the different levels and the connections, the doppelgangers. For me, it's like, it really kind of mirrors. It's a mirror imagery the Jeffrey scene with the Black Lodge and the evolution of the arm. And I just find it very fascinating that that's another facet of the narrative that Lynch and Frost constructed. Yeah, he's kind of like Iron Man. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's got the Iron Man gear and it allows him to do all this time jumping and stuff that only the gods should be able to do. All the only the lodge entities can do. And that's why he's all gone mad because he, he fucked it up. But why isn't Cooper, like when Gerard says, is it future, is it past? And the evolution of the arm says, do you remember your doppelganger? Why doesn't Cooper ever respond? I think he's in the dream. He's not, he doesn't say much in the lodge. Have you noticed? He, well, only with Laura, right? Yeah. It's he been 25 years, though. He's really kind of been numbed into it, I think. <laughs> but I mean, you would think after, especially in part 18, guy. right? After yeah. that whole thing that he went through with Dougie and everything, that when Gerard says again, is it future, is it past, that Cooper would be like, stop speaking in riddles. Just tell me what the fuck you mean. He would say something. But he something. To break the cycle. Yeah, to break the, the, the loop-de-loop. I would think so, too. Yeah. It's very strong. It's a very powerful drug, this Lodge, I think. Uh, Dude, but you knew thing- that, like, you do the entity in the, in the evolution of the arm. I mean, uh, the Philip Jeffries in the evolution of the arm, they were, you know, they both were time-traveling entities in some point you didn't think like the evolution of the arm was like a ficus in the corner of that room it was doing something what you think that the evolution of the arm was actually like like outside of the lodge and and uh uh time traveling like jeffries well i don't some either him or uh i would think that him and uh philip gerard have the ability to send you back in time and to do quantum leaping they've got they're almost like hypnotists they can send you into that your own dream or maybe it's just a dream state they'll they'll put you under you know 
Well, isn't it interesting as well is that the man from another place we never have seen out. Well, I guess we did see him outside of the lodge in that crazy scene in the original series where he was dancing on the bed, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Was, Where's <laughs> Josie? Yeah. But that was the Put only time. Down. That was a horrible. That was the worst. That was literally the, the low point of the entire series, I think. Yes, it was. I think we threw, we threw like, uh, you know, some fast food we were eating at the, at the screen, I believe. <laughs> watching it when we were 18. But that was the only time we saw the man from another place outside of the lodge. And I think in Lynch's right. world, that never happened. So he is kind of, no. I think, restricted by. But <laughs> Philip Gerard can go in and out. Of the, and Bob. Would be kind of nice. Yeah. You, you know, would be kind of nice. You saw Michael J. Anderson playing a dual role as just a townsman, like somebody in the town, kind of like George like, Cup. That'd be kind of interesting. Or like kind of an Ike the Spike. Yes, yeah, somebody. He doesn't have to be short in stature. It could be anybody, right? Uh, well, yeah, but I would like to have seen Michael J. Anderson actually used for dual purposes. Uh, I agree. That never happened, yeah. I, I completely back. agree. Is there any chance agree. of any, uh, you know, come back at all? You know what? Lynch has a quote in his, I think it's in his book, that he talks about Michael J. Anderson with, I think, another project, or maybe it was, too, I can't remember what the context was, but there was no animosity, anything. Yeah, come it. on. Yeah, I think it's Lynch emotional. is like, Actors are emotional, Tom. <laughs> Let it vent. <laughs> Final thing Bring it I, back wanted, in. I want to just ask you real quick, and this is a, we're kind of running out of time here, but uh, I just want to get your quick opinion on this. There seemed, I, this might have been on the 25 Years Later site recently, and I was reading some things about it. I didn't read the article in full, but I think I saw like a post somewhere, and it got a lot of responses to it. Uh, a lot of heated debate on this is that, um, real quick, is that, there's a theory out there that someone is throwing is that Dougie Jones, the one we saw in Rancho Rosa in 3 with the, the portly belly and the bad hair and the Century 21 jacket, that the tulpa that you know, was created not by Mr. C, but by Cooper himself in the lodge. Mm, well, I mean, imaginary in his mind, in his dream state. Right. right? I mean, that he would be, really. the, be the only way, yeah. right? Yeah. The only way. But what do you think, like, just, I mean, just your reaction, if the possibility of that beyond, a, well, A, I guess if it could happen in a dream, do you think it happened in a dream or B? Okay, so yeah, we're getting into that point, like, where our, our things blend with the Mr. C storylines, what you're saying. Did Mr. C create Dougie or did Cooper in his own mind create this Dougie fictional fantasy world? Right, right. Which is it? Yeah. Uh, I would say it's all in his head. Even Mr. C blends into him somehow. Like, it's, it's all, Dougie is him. In his fiction, fictional dream, I mean, that's at least I've been hitching my wagon to that theory for the last four months. <laughs> We've done like forty-eight freaking podcasts, so I think that now that's true. There's murky moments where the the, the dream theory gets messed meshed in with the Mister C storyline, where you have to like decide is Mister C a part of the dream or not? You know, and what where where do you draw that line? Uh, so that's very interesting. I choose yeah. to say it's 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 it, Dougie was created by Mister C or but by um, by Coop somehow. Because we never oh, saw Mr. C. Yeah, we never saw Mr. C creating Dougie. Right. Which well, is implied. So the, so the whole thing is that, that the original Dougie Jones that we saw in Vegas was more it was from Cooper. It was a Cooper Tulpa, just like the one we saw that went home to Janie E. and Sonny Jim in Part 18. But the fact that you put that Cooper in Vegas with kind of maybe some like second-generation Cooper, over time he's going to have some loose morals and start gambling and having sex with prostitutes. That's kind of the sure. connotation insinuation. Vegas is a, a beautiful town, Tom. <laughs> so you don't think Mr. C. So you really believe that that's the case, that Dougie Jones is a Cooper Tulpa and not Mr. C. Is part of a remember the plan? Yes, yes. The is plan, Mr. yes. See, but they, they, he said, I've got a plan for that to go back into the so-called Black Lodge. But you don't never hear what the plan is. You never hear him, well, you know, I made a Tulpa named Dougie Jones. You know, never see that. You know, so it's all it's mysterious, and well, the reason why we don't we can't figure it out is because Lynch is purposefully writing it this way, and constructing us for us to be like puzzling over it. You know, there's no. Where there was a hitman outside, and fictional. Uh, <laughs> dream, dream, and, dream. And then there's him taking Mr. C taking Diane to a gas station. Uh, wait, what? Mr. C took Diane to a gas station to presumably be tulpa'd. Oh uh, no, but we never saw that. So is that a dream too? That's what I'm saying. We never saw it, Tom. <laughs> if I don't see it with my own eyes, I'm not going to say it happened. How about we discuss this in greater detail in an upcoming podcast? <laughs> that sounds good. Do you have any uh, final thoughts? I think I've peaked our probably, interest. It's been a month. I think I probably talked for another hour or so, but we probably should wrap it up. Yep. A great episode. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. See you next time.
happy, the better chase your blues away. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy, get ready for the judgment day. The sun is shining, come on, get happy, the Lord's waiting to take your hand. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy, we're going to the promised land.